Abe asked the nursing home director, why did you become director of the nursing home? And the nursing home director says, I hate old people. And of course, Lando can't believe what he heard. And Lando says, you either said I hate old people or I ate old uh -huh. people. And neither of them make any sense. And nursing home director later says, I don't hate old people. He says, I hate what happens to them. Hi, everyone. This is the AgeWise Podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. Among the presenters at this year's Academy Awards were several distinguished actors who are well over age 50 and look fabulous, including Eva Marie Saint, who at 93 years old is older than the Academy itself, a fact she noted by saying, I'm very proud of that, just keep moving. Several individuals over age 50 went home with Oscar statues. 68-year-old Roger Deakins won for Best Cinematography, and the oldest recipient in the history of the Oscars, 89-year-old James Ivory, won for Best Adapted Screenplay. That's all good news for an industry that caters to youth. And yet, the awards ceremony featured a smattering of ageist jokes. From host Jimmy Kimmel's digs at 88-year-old Christopher Plummer to 80-year-old Jane Fonda cracking that she was grateful to be presenting at the Oscars, as she said to her co-presenter Helen Mirren, quote, especially when we found out he's older than we are. What is it with America and ageism? Are we so afraid of getting old that all we can do is make jokes about it, even as many of us continue to function quite well in older age? We're going to explore this and more with today's guest. Dr. Howard Weiner is a renowned neurologist who somehow found time to fulfill his passion for movies by writing and directing his first feature film at age 70. The film, Abe and Phil's Last Poker Game, premiered at the 2017 Tribeca Film Festival. It's charming, funny, and raunchy, and it stars Paul Sorvino and the legendary actor Martin Landau in his last role before his death. Besides being a filmmaker, Dr. Weiner teaches at Harvard Medical School. He's the director and founder of the Partners MS Center and co-director of the Ann Romney Center for Neurologic Diseases at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. Weiner joins us today from Boston to talk about his film, Abe and Phil's Last Poker Game. And Dr. Howard Weiner, welcome to the AgeWise podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I said in the intro that this was your first film, but you made a documentary five years ago called What is Life? And you have a connection to Hollywood through your son, who I understand is an Emmy-winning writer, and you have a friendship with the actor Bob Balaban. But this is your first narrative film, so... I would love for you to tell us about the evolution of the script and how you convinced some of your friends in the medical community to help fund it. The script came from a draft of a book that I'd written that I never published that dealt with old people. And I was talking to my son, who's an Emmy award-winning comedy writer in, in Hollywood for 30 Rock, and he writes for Silicon Valley. And I've always loved movies. In medical school, I made music videos of Beatles songs. Uh -huh. And my son said, well, why don't you write this script and see, see whether you can do it? So I uh, took this story that I'd written and I turned it into a script. There's a special program that everybody uses to write scripts. 
and you have to teach yourself all the aspects of script writing. And I had the script, and I happened to meet a guy in Boston who was teaching a film at Emerson College, a guy named Walter Klenhart. And I said, you know, Walter, I wrote this script, and I want to get the film made, and I want to direct the movie. And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, and I want to do brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was Those were his exact words. I said, well, will you read the script? He says, well, I'll read it, but I have so many scripts to read. I'll read a few pages, and then I can give you my feedback. And I got a call from him a couple of weeks later that he actually read the whole script, and he really liked it. He thought it was very interesting. Okay. And he gave me you know, some notes you know, for different scenes, narrative aspects of how he thought the script could be improved. So I worked on the script. And then, as you mentioned, I know the writer Bob Balaban in New York. We're friends. And I told him that I had this script that I wanted to direct it. And he said, well, let's have a table read. So he um, arranged a table read with actors in New York. And the table read went very well. Hmm. Uh, a friend of mine named Jaron Zilberman, who's a screenwriter and also a uh, director, he did a film called A Late Quartet with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. He came to the table read and he says, Howard, it's, the script is good. And I says, well, uh, what do I do next? And he says, well, you got to find out, you know, how much it costs to make and shooting times and everything, which is hiring a line producer. And he had his line producer and the line producer went through the script and said it cost about a million and a half dollars to make and you could shoot it in five weeks, etc. And the producers were interested in doing it, but they couldn't get the funding. Mm -hmm. So I said to them, well, what if I come up with the funding? And they said, well, we'd love to do the movie. It's a great movie. So I turned to friends and philanthropists and people who support our medical research. I'm always raising money to do research and studies in MS and Alzheimer's, etc. Mm -hmm. And was able to raise the million and a half dollars. I wow. put in money myself. You mm -hmm. can't ask somebody else to give money. If you don't put in money, mm -hmm. but they loved the script, they liked me, and we were off and running. So we, the first thing to do is to find your actors. Mm -hmm. And so we hired a casting agency in New York, and the agents who read it really loved it. And it was sent to Paul Sorvino, who loved the script, and it was sent to Martin Landa, who also loved the script. They both reacted immediately to it. I spoke to them, and they became the two main actors in the movie. Landau, who's an Academy Award-winning actor for supporting supporting yeah. actors, mm -hmm. uh, this was a, the first time that he had a starring role in the film. And he was 87 when we made the film. Oh, wow. And Sorvino and Lando just were amazing. It was great to work with them. We filmed it here in Newburyport, which is just north of Boston. Mm -hmm. Just one location, it really right? Came at, well, location, we filmed it in and around. We found a, a home for the older people. Mm -hmm. It was just built in one floor. hadn't been filled yet. So we took over the whole floor wow. and made it our movie set. Yeah. And then we filmed around by the ocean and other places and finished the shoot. Uh, then it had to go through editing. We had two different music people doing it. And then we submitted it to film festivals, and it was accepted at Tribeca, which is amazing. I went yeah. to Tribeca. I was talking to Robert De Niro there, who runs it, and uh, Jane Rosenthal, and they said that it's harder to get into Tribeca than to get into Harvard. Uh -huh. uh, so <laughs> And done and done for you. <laughs> yeah. So I was very happy. It, it got a very nice reception. 
There's a guy named Pete Hammond who works for Deadline Hollywood. He's a big writer and he mm -hmm. loved the film. Mm -hmm. Lando showed it to, he works in the actor's studio mm -hmm. and he showed it to people there. And so the film came to life. It was picked up by a distributor, Gravitas Ventures, was in theaters briefly in January and now is on video on demand. You can get it on iTunes or uh, Amazon. So it was a wonderful experience and, and really dealt with older people and aging in a way that other people had never done before. Yeah. So let's back up for a minute. You said you shot it in five and a half weeks, right? So did you take time off to shoot this? How did you get this done? I mean, it's not like you're sitting around retired. Right. Well, the answer is yes. I mean, I run a big laboratory and I see patients. So for that period of time, I had another doctor cover my practice. Oh, wow. And as a director, you're involved in everything. On the weekends, I would come down and meet with people in the laboratory. But I basically took off the time to, uh, to direct the film. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know anything about it, I'll just start it off by saying that Martin Landau plays a, a retired heart surgeon, Dr. Abe Mandelbaum. He moves in with his wife to Cliffside Manor, a retirement home, which looks somewhere outside of Boston, right? And the first scene was really, really lovely where the cinematography is just gorgeous. And you're driving through what looks like maybe Beacon Hill or some area of Boston. He's just reminiscing about, you know, what he's going to miss, uh, the beautiful brownstones. And then you get to Cliffside Manor, the retirement home. But why don't you take it from there in terms of sort of laying out the plot going forward? So the plot is that he goes to this home because he can't take care of his wife who has Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And when he's there, he meets an old Italian guy played by Paul Sorvino, who in his life was a womanizer and a gambler. And so they become friends and they would never be friends otherwise. Mm -hmm. And they talk about their lives and they're happy to be there together. They also both are impotent mm -hmm. and they talk about that and that plays a role in the film. And then there's the story of a young woman, a nurse who's adopted, and she goes to look for her biologic parents and she gets a note that her father is in this home. So she takes a job in the home to try and look for her father. She meets these two old guys and they both want to be her father. So it's a film about friendship, about aging. It also deals with sexuality. Yeah. And there's actually... Uh, very frankly. Uh, yes, it deals with very frankly. And people have never seen that before. But I dealt with... Um, they're like teenagers. And so they also have these sexual ideas and feelings. And I looked at the older people straight on. Uh, you know, some people look at older people, they put them on a pedestal or they look down on them like children. And I looked at them straight on. And the tagline of the movie is, it's never too late for life. And they have uh, very wonderful life experiences at the home. Oh, it's really interesting what you said about Abe and Phil, the two characters who n would not have been friends outside of the manor. And that's so interesting because I'm sure that's the case for many people who live in retirement homes, who just come from really different walks of life sometimes. And yet these two guys really struck up a friendship. I'm wondering about the process of making the film in terms of working with these veteran actors and how they helped you as a first-time director. Um, how generous were they and how, how helpful were they? They were great. I immediately bonded with them, and we had worked out a system. I don't know, when you make a film before you shoot the scene, you block it, and you have the camera and the lights and all these different things. And what we did is the three of us sat together away from everybody, discussed the scene, what it meant, what it didn't mean to people and to their characters, hmm. so that when they got on the set, 
they were in character and knew where the scene was going. Mm -hmm. So that's how we did it. They respected me as a director. It's very interesting because as a director, you have your own vision of what you want, but the actors also have their own ideas. And so I developed an open communication. So there would be a scene and, you know, Landa would say, well, I don't think we should say this because I don't know whether you would really say this. And Sorvino said, I don't think this makes sense. So I would listen to them. Mm. Most of the time I took their suggestions. Sometimes I didn't. Mm -hmm. And as a director, I could tell them what to do. I gave them as many takes as they want. You know, Lando liked more takes. He liked to do more than Sorvino. He was a little more impulsive in terms of what he did. Mm -hmm. But they were very generous, very helpful. And it was a joy to work with them. And they also respected me. And I think because I was a doctor, it made a difference. Uh And I was also older. So here's this famous (laughs) doctor directing them. So they Uh (laughs) paid attention to me. And obviously, I knew all their medical problems, their personal things. They were always telling me all these different things. (laughs) That's so interesting. I wouldn't talk about it on the air. But, well, what about this and what about Uh that? But they they were wonderful. And I actually became good friends with Martin. My son lives out in Los Angeles. I would go to dinner with Lando and do things with Mm -hmm. him. And then sadly, he passed away at the age of 89. Uh, Luckily, he was able to be at Tribeca where the film premiered and Mm -hmm. got a lot of press attention. But it was uh, sad to lose him. Oh, yeah. For younger listeners, Martin Landau has quite a pedigree. He was in the Hitchcock film North by Northwest, the TV series Mission Impossible, uh, Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors. He won the Oscar, as you referred to earlier, a supporting actor Oscar for his role um, as Bella Lugosi in the Tim Burton film Ed Wood. And the list goes on. So it really was quite a coup to get him. And yet I saw an interview where he said that he's been offered lots of roles where he's described as the grunters, which I thought was hilarious. Older folks who lean over and grunt. And he had turned a lot of those roles down. Hollywood may view older adults this way, but it's not how older characters are represented in this film, although you don't disguise their ailments either. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about why it was important to you to create these characters, and who they were inspired by, if anyone. As a doctor and um, just as a person, I've always been very fascinated by older people. They have so much, they've lived so much and experienced so much, and I think that they're very, very rich in terms of who they are, their views of life, etc. And this is why I wanted to make a film that uh, dealt with them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to portray that an older person is just like anybody else. Tolstoy once said, you know, he was in his 80s. He said, I may be 80 years old, but there's still a boy that's inside of me. And that's what I wanted hmm. to um, portray in the film. And I really liked the way the two older actors and Abe and Phil were able to portray old age, but a vibrant old age. Mm-hmm. And you explore aging not just through those two, but also through Cheryl, who's 54, and who says, my face is getting awful. And also the director of the facility, who has his own hang-ups about aging, and is fighting that with what he calls a miracle drug. But he even tells Abe that he hates old people, which is really shocking to hear. (laughs) Yeah, that was a... I have a lot of brave lines. I'll say. And when he... Abe asked the nursing home director, why did you become director of the nursing home? And he's... The nursing home director says, I hate old people. And, of course, Lando can't believe what he heard. And Lando says, you either said I hate old people or I ate old Uh people. And neither (laughs) of them make any sense. Mm -hmm. 
And he later says, I don't hate old people. He says, I hate what happens to them. Mm -hmm. And he's got his own craziness of a potion that he drinks that's supposed to help aging. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how he's fighting against it. Right. And then the other character is a woman in her 50s named Cheryl, who is still very pretty in her 50s, but she also is caught up in getting older. She carries around photographs of herself when she was younger. She feels she has pits on her face, etc. So everybody is, is dealing with the process of aging and what it does to them and how do they confront it. So you have those four characters, which is exactly right. And then you have Angela, who is kind of stuck in childhood because she is trying to figure out who her father is. She hasn't moved out of childhood. She hasn't grown up yet because she wants to know who her father is. Although after she meets Abe and Phil and she comes to terms with it and is ready, although she does find out, she's ready not to know and she becomes at peace with herself. So there's a arc to the story where each of the characters comes to peace with themselves. Yeah. Did you do any research into these nursing homes? Was there a personal connection for you at all there? Well, my grandmother was in a home and I remember visiting her. Mm -hmm. When I got ready to do the film and all the research, I went to many homes and looked at people and spoke to them and got a feel for what it was like. And actually in the film, I took the actors and put them with actual residents of the home, uh, having exercise class and everything, which I thought was very effective. Right. I was wondering if those were residents or if those were actors. No, those were real residents. I had to get their permission Uh or permission from their families. Those were real residents and real classes. Uh huh. How did they react to you being there filming? They loved it. They thought it was very exciting. There's so many great things about this film. It really doesn't pull any punches. I mean, quite honestly, there are some really shocking scenes here. You're just not ready for it. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, that scene in the dining room where someone leans over and dies right in front of Abe and Phil is just a shocker. It is. Well, people in nursing homes die. You know, that's what happens. And so, again, I don't pull any punches, although there's a lot of comedy and there's a lot of uh, narrative So it's fun to watch. It isn't a depressing movie. People, once the movie starts, they really get caught up in it. And it's in the end, it's kind of uplifting. So it's not a a depressing movie in any way. And people who watch it really get caught up in it because of the drama and the humor. Yeah, I laughed out loud. And that's not easy for me, but I really did enjoy it. I saw an interview where you said that or you read somewhere about not being afraid to take on the making of this film. I wondered if that's the secret to getting old, not being afraid. I mean, it was quite brave to take this on at your age. I don't mean that in a condescending way. I'm 58, so I get it. Yeah, I think one of the you, you can't as you get older, you can't be afraid. And when you're younger, you're maybe a little more fearless. Younger people maybe don't know all the bad things could happen, etc. But I think you uh, have to keep your courage up as you get older. Yeah. Dr. Weiner, I wonder if you could tell us about some of your non-film projects to get away from the film just for a moment, because you're doing a lot of really fascinating work around Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis. Right. I head the Ann Romney Center. I co-direct it with someone named Dennis Selko. Mm-hmm. And Ann Romney is a patient of mine. She has MS. Oh. That's mm-hmm. public knowledge. She's mm-hmm. written a book about it. And at the Ann Romney Center for Neurologic Diseases, we study five diseases, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's disease, and brain tumors. So we're really <laughs> taking on a lot, but there's a lot of exciting things going on. We, in Alzheimer's disease, we're working on a 
nasal vaccine to help clear the amyloid out of the brain. Wow. In Lou Gehrig's disease, we have a treatment that may decrease inflammation in the brain and spinal cord and help people to live longer. We've done it in animals. We want to do it in uh, people. We also are studying the gut. The gut is very important as an immune organ that communicates with the brain. So we're studying gut function, uh, which is important in MS and Parkinson's disease. Hmm. We discovered an antibody that may work in cancer and it's going to be tried in cancer patients. So there's a lot going on. I wrote a book called Curing MS about MS. I'm working a book now called Fire in the Brain where I discuss these five diseases and describe each disease as a crime scene. What do you see in the wow, brain? Cool. Where the crime has been done and then how do you solve it? So a lot of exciting things, you know, and then some people say, well, how could you do the film? Weren't you afraid? What if it didn't work or whatever? I said, well, you know, I'm trying to find cure for these diseases. What could be harder? Why should I be afraid to make a film? Uh-huh. <laughs> so what do you want viewers to take away from the film? I want them to be moved emotionally. And you said you laughed out loud, so that made me very happy to hear. So I want them to be emotionally involved with the characters in the film. I want them to have a view of aging that they haven't seen before and maybe be a little shocked by it. Uh, I want them to be caught up in the narrative and the mystery because I think telling stories and mystery is always fun. And then when they're done, I want them to think about it and to have it as part of the many people who've seen the film said they keep thinking about it mm-hmm. after they've seen it. And I would like that to happen. Yeah. I read that you're not giving up your day job, but that you have another idea for a film. You want to share that with us? I have. Yeah. People say to me, are you going to stop being a doctor and just make films? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh I have a couple other films I'm working on. You know, it's not easy to make your films or get them done, but I'll share with you. One film is in a different genre, which is a medical thriller, which is called Love Kills. That's the name of it, where there's a murder in the hospital. Another uh, film is called Subways, and this is more of a Woody Allen, Fellini-type film that deals with a neurosurgeon who goes through an existential crisis and lives it between what he's experienced in his life and Subways, where he goes into subway stations, and the Subways represent his subconscious. So he's in different stations of his subconscious, and he comes back into his real life. That's Fellini. Yeah, those are the two ideas that I have. Well, before we close, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, I guess if I were to say anything, it's never too late for life. I think that's a very important point. And that people should not be afraid to do things and not be afraid to take on challenges. The worst thing that can happen is you fail. But if you don't try, then you don't even have a chance to fail. Martin Lando, one of his lines that he always said was, just do it. And I think that's a good line. Well, I would see this film just for his performance. I could not take my eyes off him. It is just a a beautiful performance, and it's a really lovely film. We've been speaking with author, teacher, clinician, and filmmaker Dr. Howard L. Weiner about his film, Abe and Phil's Last Poker Game. It stars Paul Sorvino, Maria Dizia, and the late, great Martin Landau. 
The Last Poker Game can be viewed on iTunes or Amazon. You can also see the film at one of its many screenings, which are listed on the film's website, and watch the trailer at the website, which is abeandphilslastpokergame.com, and we'll provide that link and the film's trailer on the AgeWise website. Dr. Weiner, thanks so much for being on the show, and best of luck with your film, The Last Poker Game. It was really enjoyable, and I encourage everyone to see it. Thank you very much. That's it for today. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, if you want to hear more conversations on a specific topic, tweet me at Jana Panaritis or find AgeWise on Facebook. Thanks for listening. I'm Jana Panaritis.